1: Hello, 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 hello. That's how I'm starting this episode. I'm just going to start it by going, hello, 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 okay? Right, fine. So, hello, 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 hello. How are you? Welcome to another episode. Before I go into the details of what you're going to hear in this one, let me just uh, do the usual thing and mention the sponsor for this podcast, which uh, is italki. Um, Now then, um, what about italki then? So, this is basically a, a really, really good way for you to actually fast-track your English into a new dimension, okay? Um, like, you've got to speak English, essentially. Like, listening to this podcast is definitely going to help you because you get so much input from it. I mean, I've talked to you already about the benefits of, of listening to this, but if you, if you really want to sort of improve your English in, in, in other areas, you know, if you want to give it a fully th- rounded, three-dimensional uh, sense of progress, then you must speak, right? And who are you going to speak to? Who are you going to speak to, huh? Have you thought about that? Who have you got? Maybe you're lucky and you've got people in your life who you can speak English to in a comfortable and relaxed sort of context. Uh, Maybe you're going to try and go out and find like a a one-to-one teacher or something, Uh, or maybe you're going to English classes, something like that. But um, you might find that actually the most convenient way is to use italki uh, because it's all done online and you can just have English lessons from the comfort of your own home. And italki is like a really trusted service. Lots of uh, my listeners are using it. And uh, in fact, they've got sort of uh, millions of people in the world uh, are using italki. It could be a game changer. It really could. Um, so uh, check it out. Go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk and you can then sign up for free. And check out some of the teachers and stuff they have there. You can um, check out their videos, where you can kind of get to know them and and see who they are and what they're like, and listen to them speak English and hear about their qualifications. Um, and then, when you're ready, you can pay for some lessons. Now, you don't have to get you don't have to like buy a bunch of lessons at the beginning. What you can just do is like uh, check out maybe a half an hour trial lesson with a few different teachers until you find one that suits you. And you can search for teachers using their search. Uh, what do you call it like search uh f- options Um, because you will find that there are many different types of teachers so you can check different boxes for things like business english or pronunciation or exams or whatever okay check it out they have also teachers out there who who will teach your children english as well so you can check out teachers who can teach kids and stuff like that it's serious man it's serious it's like a really decent service that's why uh they're the sponsors of, of luke's english podcast they're the perfect partners for this podcast really it's 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 brilliant you've got to check it out. Um, so, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. And if you if you buy some lessons, the cool thing is that you'll get a voucher from italki. Just wait a few days. They will send you a voucher, which is worth 100 italki credits. And you can use that uh, as a discount on further English lessons in the future. Okay. So, do your English a favor and check out italki. Uh, go to that uh, URL. You'll, you'll only get that voucher if you go through my website. So, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. I'm now going to shut up about this, and let's get straight down to the actual content of this episode. So, will you now please start the jingle? And here it is. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing all right. Um, I'm recording this on the terrace of the flat, and it's a lovely, balmy evening here in Paris. The sun has gone down. It's still fairly light in the sky, but it's a lovely warm evening. Um, And I'm just taking the opportunity to record this introduction here uh, outside for a change. Um, So I hope you're doing all right. Um, Today on the podcast, I'm going to finish off this series of episodes that I've been doing about Brexit in the same way that I started it by having a conversation with my dad. Um, before you listen to that conversation, I'm going to say a few words now in the introduction and then I'm going to highlight some vocabulary and phrases which you will hear in the main part of the episode, okay? So I've talked quite a lot about politics and Brexit recently because the events since the referendum have just been so huge. Um, it's been really quite a strange time with lots of uncertainty and turmoil and changes going on. What's going to happen? We don't really know. Is this going to be a really costly and difficult couple of decades for the United Kingdom? Or is this going to be a great opportunity for Britain to re-establish itself in the world? Now, I have covered all of this in some detail already. I know that. Uh, I've, I've gone on about Brexit already quite a lot. Um, Um, and this will probably be the last episode I do about this subject for a little while. Um, I have had lots of good responses from you, my listeners, which seems to show that um, you've found these episodes to be interesting, informative and useful for your English, but this is probably going to be the last time I talk about British politics and Brexit for a while. Um, unless something else comes up in the news and I have to deal with it. But this is probably going to be the the last time I deal with it. And it's it's quite appropriate that I'm talking to my dad again, because that's the way I started this whole series. Um, I should also say that there have been lots of other big events going on in the world recently, including, of course, the situation in Turkey uh, with the recent attempt at a military coup, uh, which apparently has failed. And of course, the horrific truck attack in Nice the other day, just horrible story. Not to mention other trending topics that the world seems to be talking about at the moment, including this new Pokemon game, uh, which is not quite as innocent and trivial as it sounds. Um, There are big stories going on all the time and they're all worth talking about, but my podcast isn't a BBC news programme or something, so um, I'm, I'm not necessarily in a position to deal with absolutely every current topic, of course, even though I would like to. So I'm talking about Brexit a lot because this is a subject that's very close to home, of course, for this podcast. Um, So it seems it um, it, it also seems that you enjoyed listening to my dad in episode number 351. He's uh, a a popular person uh, on the podcast. Um, In fact, he's got some big fans out there in Lepland, it seems. Um, it seems that, that there's a, a certain number of Lepsters who really love listening to my, my dad. And it's not just the Lepsters as well. It's also other people. Um, like, for example, Amber. Amber, you know, from Amber and Paul. Uh, she is a massive fan of my dad. Whenever I see Amber, she's like, oh, you've got to get your dad back on the podcast. He's amazing. Um, and also, I've had a few comments from from Lepsters um, saying that, that, you know, people saying, oh, I love your dad. Um, so, um, judging by all these comments that he seems to be a popular speaker, especially on, on subjects like, like this. Um, and you're right, of course, he's he's really articulate and well-informed and brilliant. So now you can have the pleasure of listening to more of his wise and down-to-earth coverage before I put the whole Brexit subject to bed for a while. Um, comprehension questions. Comprehension questions. Here are some questions now which you can try to find the answers to in this episode. Um, I've just come up with several ways to try and focus your attention on the content in this episode. First of all, comprehension questions. So, as you listen to the conversation, try to find answers to these questions. Okay? Um, You know, obviously, you can just sit back and, and, and have a cup of tea and just listen. But if you want to focus your attention, try to get answers to these questions. You'll find these questions uh, written on the page for the episode. So here are the questions. First of all, what has happened since the UK voted to leave the European Union? What's the state of the nation at the moment? Will EU nationals be thrown out of the country? According to my dad, of course, all of this stuff is just, you know, according to the conversation you're going to hear. Why did David Cameron resign? Why did Boris Johnson then quit the leadership race? Who is Theresa May, the new prime minister? Uh, How did she become the prime minister? Uh, What's the situation with the opposition party, Labour? What's going on there? And what is going to happen next in the UK? Also, what three words did my dad choose to describe how he feels about the situation? I asked him to come up with three words to describe uh, the situation. What are those three words? Also, listen all the way to the end of this episode um, to hear some of my dad's comments about football. Um, and he makes a, a couple of predictions for the 2016-2017 season in the FA Premiership. So what are my dad's predictions for the upcoming football season in the UK? And also, what does he think of the new Manchester United manager, Jose Mourinho? So listen to the end of the conversation to hear what my dad thinks about Jose Mourinho. Now, um, the conversation is coming very soon, but... Um, Let's just look at some vocabulary first, okay? Uh, so, vocabulary. As I've said, my dad is very articulate on this subject and he always manages to find exactly the right words to express his ideas. As a result, this conversation is a good example of clear spoken English and is very rich in vocabulary. I suggest that you try to notice specific expressions that are used in the conversation. And to make it a bit easier for you to notice some features of language, I've picked out some words and phrases from the conversation, and I've put them in a list on the page for this episode. Um, Now, uh, I've picked out these phrases because I I think that you might either not be familiar with them, or uh, they might just be nice fixed expressions which you could add to your vocabulary. So, you could consider this to be like target language for this episode. Now, I'm not going to explain all of this language now because there isn't time, but I will now, read out the phrases for you before playing the conversation. And essentially, I'm leaving it up to you to investigate the language a bit more carefully, okay? Because I'm, you know, I'm encouraging you to be independent learners. Um, so, the point is that I'm encouraging you to notice these phrases in this episode. Just try to notice them and see how they come up naturally. Whenever you hear a phrase, um, you can make a mental note of it. If you want to actually see the phrases written down in context, then check out the page for this episode and you'll see them all written there for you. Um, You can then transfer them to your your vocab lists or put them into flashcard apps or do whatever you want with them. You can, can, for example, check the phrases in an online dictionary in order to really understand what these things mean. And I'd recommend the Oxford or Cambridge online dictionaries, You'll need to, by the way, when you go into those dictionaries online, just go to search for Oxford Dictionary, uh, Oxford dictionary Online or Cambridge Dictionary Online. And you'll find that their dictionaries are now available free on their websites. Um, but when you go to those websites, you'll need to check which type of dictionary you're using. And I suggest you choose an e- either an English-English dictionary of some kind or an English learner's dictionary. Um, so you can just put the phrases into the dictionary and search for them or search for them using Google, then study the vocab and then add them to your word lists. Um, so here we go. I'm now going to go through the, uh, the list of uh, phrases and, and expressions that I've selected. I'm not as I said, I'm not explaining them to you, but you, I'll, let that, I'll let you do that. So um, So let these words and phrases go into your head a little bit. Oh, some noise from downstairs. I've no idea what that was. Don't know if you even heard that. Some people were whooping and cheering because they're so excited to hear this vocab, obviously. Um, So try to listen out for these phrases as they come up in the conversation. And I'm now going to kind of list those phrases for you without explaining them. And I'm going to have a bit of background music while I do that. Here we go. Right. So the first one is to be self-evident. For example, it's so self-evident to be self-evident next one to throw someone out to throw someone out for example to throw out the EU nationals who've settled in the UK to throw someone out down-to-earth some down-to-earth reasons for staying in the UK some down-to-earth reasons for staying in the EU next is to legitimize something or to legitimize someone For example, legitimizing extreme people who say that immigrants should go home. To legitimize someone or to legitimize something. Next is hate crime. Hate crime. For example, an increase in hate crime. That's hate crime. Next is to assimilate someone into something. To assimilate someone into something. For example, to assimilate immigrants into the country. Next is the expression gender balance. Gender balance. For example, a gender balance at senior levels of government. Gender balance. Next is the expression to steady the ship. To steady the ship. For example, to steady the ship, that's it. Next one is the expression at breathtaking speed. At breathtaking speed. For example, things have been happening at breathtaking speed. At breathtaking speed. Next one, to fall into a recession. To fall into a recession. For example, there might be an economic crisis if we fall into a recession. To fall into a recession. Next is the expression repercussions. Just the word repercussions, which is like consequences. For example, you might say economic repercussions. Next is the expression to stake your reputation on something. To stake your reputation on something. For example, David Cameron staked his entire reputation on the result of the referendum. To stake your reputation on something. Next is the expression fighting like rats in a sack. Fighting like rats in a sack. For example, the candidates started fighting like rats in a sack. The next expression is to stab someone in the back. To stab someone in the back. For example, they started stabbing each other in the back. To stab someone in the back. Next expression is to dump someone. To dump someone. For example, Michael Gove dumped Boris Johnson. To dump someone. Next is to step aside. To step aside. For example, she was persuaded to step aside. There's also to step down. For example, Michael Gove stepped down. To step down. Next, we have uh, the expression despicable. You might know that from the movie Despicable Me. For example, a despicable story from a despicable newspaper. Despicable. Next is the expression to uh, to splash a headline on the front page. For example, they splashed the headline on the front page of the newspaper. Next is to be dragged into something... Or to be dragged out of something against your will. For example, Scotland will not be dragged out of the EU against its will. To be dragged out of something against your will. Then to, uh, to put your stamp on something. For example... Uh, to put her own stamp on the new parliament, to put your stamp on something. Uh, Next is the expression sabotage or to sabotage something. For example, Michael Gove sabotaged him to sabotage something or someone. Then we've got the expressions allegedly and reportedly, which are ways of saying that someone else has said something. Okay, allegedly and reportedly. For example, allegedly the campaign was uh, a tissue of lies Allegedly. Um, OK. Uh, next one is to have a stake in something. To have a stake in something. And that's S-T-A-K-E. For example, she has a direct stake in the future of the country. To have a stake in something. Next one is to drop out. For example, the person with the least number of votes dropped out. The person with the least number of votes dropped out of the of the uh, race. Next is um, the expression, strange sexual practices with a goat. I can't remember how that came into the conversation, but it's in there. That's strange sexual practices with a goat. For example, someone who does strange sexual practices with a goat. Hmm, watch out for that one. Uh, next is to like to think that you are something. For example, he likes to think he's very witty. So you've got to like to, to, like to think that you are something and to be witty. He likes to think he's very witty. Uh, Then we've got the expression, like the grease that lubricates the wheels. It's like the grease that lubricates the wheels. For example, goodwill is like the grease that lubricates the wheels. (coughs) Excuse me. We're nearly finished here. Here's the next expression. To turn out to be something. For example, I'm hoping that Theresa May will turn out to be a good prime minister. To turn out to be something. Then we've got the expression to trigger something, to trigger something. For example, Article 50 is going to be triggered before the end of the year, to trigger something. Then we have the expression to come out of the woodwork. For example, the anti-immigration people have come out of the woodwork. That's to come out of the woodwork. Then we have the expression to have a bit of a shock. That's an easy one. For example, the European Union the EU establishment must have had a bit of a shock. Okay, the EU establishment must have had a bit of a shock. That's to have a bit of a shock. Uh, And then um, finally, we've got the expressions to take stock of something and to reassess something. For example, they ought to take stock and reassess their priorities to a certain extent. Okay, so there you go. That is the end of that vocabulary list. Loads of things there to watch out for. Don't forget that you can see all of those things written on the page for this episode. And you should do that if you really want to get that language into your head, if you want to make it part of your active vocabulary. um, I do suggest that you do that. Uh, Otherwise, you can just try and notice those things in the conversation with my dad, which is now going to start without any further ado. Okay, so I'll now let you listen to my conversation with my dad about Brexit three weeks after the referendum result and here we go. So hello, Dad. Welcome back onto the podcast. Hello, Luke. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, it's, uh over there
0: in that Europe place.
1: That's right. I'm here in Europe. Um, I hope they're going to let me stay.
0: Yes, I hope they are too.
1: Do you think they will? Yes, I do. <laughs> really?
0: Why is, why is that? Well, I can't imagine a situation where the EU would be throwing out uh, British citizens who've been living there for years.
1: Yeah, yes, it it would be insane. I don't
0: think it would go down too well.
1: Do you think that um, European citizens in the UK will be allowed to stay? Personally, I do, yes. And that's it? There's There are no conditions?
0: Well, I, I, there's a massive great negotiation to go on yet for more than two years. And so we'll wait and see. But I just think it's uh, so self-evident that you, you know, Britain would not want to be throwing out all the European nationals who have settled here
1: so you think that um my listeners who are um you know eu nationals living in the uk do you think they can relax a little bit
0: i would personally tell them to relax completely about that um and if there's going to be some kind of strange control on immigration it will be uh from new immigration i'm sure uh neither the eu nor britain would want to be um trying to get people who are settled to to move. I mean, I think it would be preposterous. It would be outrageous.
1: Mm, yeah. Okay. There, there are other issues as well facing um, some of my listeners who are living in the UK at the moment, which we'll, we may come to in a bit. Um, I just thought I'd say, well, first of all, well, on behalf of my listeners, welcome back onto the podcast.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to be back on your famous podcast.
1: Um, the last time you were on this, when it, this was pre-referendum, Um, I guess it was, what was it, about a month or something before the referendum happened, we were talking about it and you laid out lots of very very clear and quite persuasive um, and very kind of down-to-earth reasons why the UK should be staying in the European Union. And and here we are, Dad. Um, No one listened to you, obviously. All the wrong people were listening to that.
0: Uh, Unfortunately, yes. I seem to remember that I was saying that there was a real, real danger that we would vote to leave. Um, and I did for some time think that might happen because of a whole number of factors all coming together mm. um, and of course i didn 't want it to happen and now it has happened
1: how how uh, How did you react on the day
0: well, well uh, very uh, I was very angry mm-hmm. and very depressed at the same time uh, also i think ashamed um, uh, you know ashamed of uh, What some people were saying about um, Europe, about uh, immigrants and uh, suddenly legitimising those extreme people who've been saying, you know, um, immigrants should go home and all that kind of thing. And the increase in um, hate crime, uh, which followed a very, very small number, obviously, but still shameful that uh, people should be insulting uh, people like you know abusing the Polish people on the bus and that kind of stuff, uh, shocking really and and, and uh, as I say shameful. Yeah. Um, but I was also you know just a little bit depressed on two counts. What one that I felt um, you know economically for the future of the country it's a really really bad decision which will be regretted and it will not be good for us. And the second one really is is about the nature of what. You think Britain is like? Um, I mean, mm. I've always believed it was a very inclusive um, country. It is a, a land of immigrants. We're all immigrants, mm. and um, we've traditionally assimilated immigrants from all over the place, from uh, from the Commonwealth, and then from Eastern Europe le- lately, but from many places before that. And we've been rather proud of the fact that London, in particular, but also many other parts of the country, are so multicultural multinational and um you know it is just one of the characteristics that uh, i thought made uh, britain such an interesting place so you suddenly think what's happened um you know we, we are now going into isolation instead of being um internationalists
1: yeah yeah and it is embarrassing isn't it when um the rest of the world is looking at the uk at this point point on one hand thinking you idiots what have you done um you know because we're now like you know the the stupidest nation we're, America uh, are america delighted at this point because uh, they're not the stupidest country anymore <laughs> um that's us now until november of course when uh, they will vote in donald trump or will they
0: I, no i don't think so i think you'll find that you've got a woman prime minister in the uk you've got the most powerful person in the eu is a woman angela merkel and Hillary Clinton will be in the States. So I just hope these three manage to get on.
1: So these will have the yeah, women um in charge of three of the most powerful countries in the world. Which um right, yeah. which should be a, a great um sort of victory for women's rights, shouldn't it?
0: Yes, I think it should. And and um I think here Theresa May has often said that she thinks there should be um, a more of a gender balance at senior levels in political and and life and business yeah and she's now trying to sort out her cabinet as we speak and um the, it's interesting the, the the key posts have gone to men but I, I think that may be because she wants an experienced top team for stability and steady the ship But she is introducing more women uh, into the cabinet in in roles such as uh, education and others.
1: Yeah. Okay. Can we just actually, um, just to set the scene and to give context, can we just summarise what's happened? Um, Now, I have done a few episodes on Brexit already, but I think that before we start talking about what's going on at the moment in the UK... It it might be useful just to kind of give a quick summary of what's gone on so far. I've also asked you to come up with three words of the moment. My previous word of the moment was was turmoil. That was the immediate aftermath of uh, of the leave vote, and the country was in turmoil on on the uh, you know the week following. Um, so let's let's have a little summary of what's gone on um, ever since the twenty third of June, and then we can talk about. The three words of the moment that you've come up with, and then we can talk about things like the new prime minister and the new cabinet and the current condition of the country. So, what can you can you give us a summary as as uh, from the uh, kind of a BBC journalism style <laughs> summary of what's happened?
0: Well, I, I'm sure that some of your listeners have been following um, what, what quite a lot of been, what's been happening. Um, it's been um, an amazing couple of weeks where things happening at breathtaking speed and lots of surprises um, and it's uh, it's kind of uh, a reaction to uh, a political crisis and a constitutional crisis really. Mm. Um, there isn't uh, as yet a financial economic crisis but um it might turn into that if we fall into a recession for various reasons but we'll have to wait and see about that
1: i don't know the the pound has dropped in value hasn't it Um, yes
0: it yes it has it has recovered a little um but it has dropped in value
1: in the news today i saw there was a report about how house prices are, are are going to drop as well and you know that's affecting the housing market although in london that's not necessarily a bad thing it's not-, not
0: necessarily a bad thing house prices have become ridiculously high
1: that's right they were already too high in london weren't they so the fact that house prices are coming down is has some good effects uh but we're obviously already seeing some economic um repercussions of this um but um yeah so
0: so i mean as i say it all happened uh, very quickly Quickly, um, the, uh, the result of the um, referendum on EU membership came as a bit of a surprise to some people, it seems. I don't quite know why they were so surprised when, when the opinion polls said it was very, very, very close all the way through mm. and some of us were predicting leave um, and they didn't seem to have any plan to cope with it. Um, David Cameron has staked his entire reputation on persuading the nation Uh, That he'd uh, got some concessions from the EU and could therefore recommend that we stay in, uh, blah, blah. And, Mm -hmm. um, of course, he therefore promptly announced that he would have to resign, um, triggering a leadership contest in the Conservative Party, which uh, also meant that whoever won that contest would become the Prime Minister. Mm. Um, and they have a mechanism where the m p s have to uh vote on the candidates until they 've got down to the last two, yeah, and then that goes to the Conservative Party members around the country in a in a ballot which takes a little while, yeah, and they were expecting the result not to come out until September, in which case Cameron would stay on until that time yeah um, but uh the uh, the candidates uh started fighting like um, rats in a, a sack <laughs> and uh, stabbing each other in the back. And um, uh, and Boris Johnson was thought to be a popular favourite until the, uh, the senior cabinet member who was supporting him um, suddenly uh, d- dumped him and said he wasn't suitable and decided he'd be a candidate himself. That was Michael Gove. And... Um, In the end, uh, there were two women who were the last two to be selected by the MPs, and uh, one of them, Theresa May, the long-standing Home Secretary, very experienced, and the other one, a bit of a newcomer called Andrea Leadsom, who is a hard um, Mm right-winger, who had campaigned uh, for us to leave the EU. But it became quite clear to her that she didn't have much support, she didn't have much experience, she kept on making mistakes, she said things that she had to apologise for, and she was persuaded, obviously, by the party senior people to just step aside, which meant that um, there was was no need for a vote by the party members, and suddenly Theresa May was going to be Prime Minister, and it happened incredibly quickly. And so uh, on the the Wednesday... uh, Cameron went to see the Queen and said, I tender my resignation and I suggest you might invite Theresa May to form a government. And 10 minutes later, Theresa May was with the Queen and she asked her to form a government and she said she would and went back to Downing Street
1: as the prime minister. It's, it's, um, my listeners probably will find it interesting that uh, the prime minister often goes to meet the Queen. It's a, um, like a weekly Meeting isn't it? Every,
0: every Wednesday, unless she's out of the country or he's out of the country, they have a private meeting which is traditionally completely um, private. And it's a tradition which is well respected, that the Prime Minister never says what goes on in those meetings.
1: Isn't that a little bit uh, undemocratic?
0: No, not at all. The, the, the point is that um, she is a, a figurehead leader of the nation in the Commonwealth, Uh, she can um, advise uh, the the Prime Minister but she has absolutely uh, no power over the uh, the legislation or policy of the elected government Uh, but it's um, a a little bit of um, an interesting tradition that all the former Prime Ministers have talked about why it's valuable to have your regular meetings with the Queen is that her experience and continuity is a settling influence and that they like to have someone who they can entirely trust to be um, uh, discreet about what they say to just um, discuss some of the issues that are troubling them.
1: Do we know what the Queen felt about the EU referendum? We do not know. There was a story, wasn't there, in the Sun newspaper?
0: Well, it was a despicable story from a despicable newspaper. Yeah. And From a despicable source. Who yeah. was uh, Michael Gove, as for mentioned cabinet w- was member? Was
1: that was that Michael Gove
0: who uh, allegedly? Um, it, he can sue me if I'm wrong. But uh, Michael Gove uh, appeared to be the source of something that happened at a dinner, uh, and he was certainly there um, four years ago. I think it was.
1: Mm. Yeah, four there was, years ago
0: there was a dinner. When, uh, the, he it was reported, the Queen said she wasn't quite sure what the EU was for, or something like that. And um, uh, the Sun decided that this was uh, sufficient for them to splash a big headline in their front page saying "Queen for Brexit." Um, we mm-hmm. have no idea what the Queen uh, would think about withdrawing from the EU. My personal guess is that since it would probably lead to the breakup of the European uh, of the uh, United Kingdom, mainly because Scotland. Was uh, So in favour of staying at the EU. Yeah. But um, she would be very concerned about us leaving the EU.
1: Yeah, she, she would. It's just
0: my personal view.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. So, God, there are so many different facets to this story. I mean, for example, the future of the United Kingdom now, for example, whether whether or not Scotland will vote to leave if the UK leaves the European <laughs> Union. I mean, we could be seeing the breakup of the, of the United Kingdom, couldn't we?
0: We could. Um, Scotland voted quite significantly in favour of staying in the EU. And um, already the uh, the First Minister in the Scottish Parliament, uh, leader of the Scottish National Party, Nicola Sturgeon, um, is uh, indicating that um, Scotland will not stand by and be dragged out of the EU against its will.
1: Right, OK. Right.
0: So, um, the, the, so, so after all that, obviously um, Theresa May made no uh, wasted no time in having a new cabinet, and she's obviously putting her own stamp on it. And she wanted to b- be a, a different kind of uh, prime minister. And it's very interesting that her speech on outside Downing Street could almost have been spoken by a Labour prime minister. Really, She was em- em- Absolutely, she was emphasizing that she wanted uh, much more equality and fairness in society and that there were many people who felt that they uh, they were ignored and uh, that everybody mattered equally and it wasn't just going to be a government for the elite and the rich business people, it was going to be a government for everybody. So uh, that obviously is uh, quite a, a good starting point for someone who wants to unite a divided country.
1: A believe- country is
0: divided... N- divided Almost equally between those who voted to uh, leave and those who voted to stay, but it's also divided in a whole number of other ways.
1: Like, for example, by by age group, uh, by geography, um, and all sorts of other things. Yes. Uh, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say that. Do you believe that, then, Dad? Do you think that this new government we're going to see will be more moderate, or is it going to be more right wing? <laughs>
0: I don't I don't know Um, she has voted loyally with uh, you know the government all the way through the last few years Um, and uh, she is a conservative Um, but I think that um, she's also um, quite clever in that she realizes that um, if they're going to settle things down and get a bit of stability uh, that there has to be some kind of recognition that a lot of the people who voted to leave were, were actually voting for something else. They were voting because they were fed up. They were voting after seven years of austerity. Uh, they, they were voting because they felt their voices and concerns were being ignored by these um, people in Westminster who went to public schools, uh, were very rich and uh, were out of touch.
1: Going back to the leadership race before Theresa May came through as the the, the leader, um, you talked about people stabbing each other in the back, um, and I just thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about Boris Johnson and Michael Gove um, and what happened there. Because um, before Theresa May sort of came through as the obvious candidate, everyone thought it would be Boris Johnson, and it was—he was sort of number one, the number one candidate. But then suddenly he uh, resigned. He suddenly stepped down or stepped out of the, the race. Um, why did that happen?
0: Uh, it was because uh, Michael Gove um, basically uh, sabotaged him. Um, Michael Gove, who was the uh, education secretary and then uh, justice secretary, yeah, um, uh, quite a senior cabinet member, and he was very much the kind of leader of the Leave campaign. Uh, from mm. the senior ranks of government and he would said repeatedly that he wasn't interested in being the prime minister he didn't want to be the prime minister he didn't have the qualities to be the prime minister and he would never seek to be the prime minister and he was recommending people that should support boris johnson and um and then suddenly at the last minute uh, he went public and said he, he'd he been thinking about this hard and believed that Boris didn't have the qualities required to be a prime minister, and so he was going to put his own name forward.
1: So what on earth changed? Why did he suddenly decide that he was the right guy for the job and that Boris we wasn't?
0: We don't know, but um, uh, ambition is one thing. His wife is another. <laughs> uh, she, is a, she is a prominent columnist uh, for a right-wing newspaper here, the Daily Mail, very outspoken, and it is gossiped that uh, she runs the household and she tells him what to do. Um, So uh, we don't really know. Um, It may be that um, he took advice from other MPs and they all said, Boris hasn't got a hope, you should run yourself.
1: It's like it's who? like sorry go on who
0: It's like The House of Cards. Yes, I was, I was going to,
1: I was going to say exactly that. It's exactly <laughs> like House of Cards that uh there's Michael Gove and it's his wife at home who's running the show. It's amazing.
0: Or, well, uh, alleg- that, I, allegedly allegedly allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you.
1: You have to say the word allegedly, right? Whenever you're <laughs> you're speaking publicly like this because that that protects you from being taken to court, doesn't it? Yes, or reportedly reportedly that's right people (laughs) you can sort of report what other people have said so that it's they're Mm. not your words so you can say people have said that or people have speculated that um um michael gove's wife was was um influential in his decision making process or
0: uh, yes you you might think that she is uh a kind of lady macbeth figure um you might think that but i couldn't possibly comment (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> right yeah it has been suggested that um she is she's an evil lady macbeth style uh uh, 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 uh yeah okay i'm not going to finish that sentence um but i think
0: you're going uh, to edit that yeah okay
1: I, I think no no i quite like that but um <laughs> I, I quite like the, the ways in which we can use language to avoid actually making a statement ourselves
0: anyway this conservative leadership campaign uh, was pretty messy from the beginning and um, when it was down to just the two women Andrea Ledson um, uh, gave a long interview to uh, the Times newspaper and they reported that she had indicated that because she has got children and that uh, Theresa May doesn't have children this somehow qualifies her better because she has a direct stake in the future of the country and she <laughs> said She said, uh, um, Theresa May 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 have uh, nephews and and nieces, uh, but I have children, and they will have children, blah, blah, blah. So the the woman who did this interview wrote this up and said, uh, you know, words to the effect of, Theresa doesn't have children, this makes me a better candidate, and... uh, First of all, Andrea Lidson said, said, I've been completely misquoted. It's distortion, it's shocking, it's disgusting. Gutter journalism, she called it. Right. Then, then the Times actually uh, released a tape of her saying these <laughs> very, very same words, uh, which made this candidate look very foolish. And immediately people started saying, wait a minute, is she the right person to be prime minister? Yeah. And um, various things that, that basically meant that the candidates apart from Theresa May all behaved pretty badly and uh, she was overwhelmingly supported by the Conservative MPs and I mean I have to say personally she is by far the best of their candidates which isn't saying much but uh, she's certainly got a lot of uh, experience.
1: People are comparing her to Margaret Thatcher.
0: Well she's the second woman Prime Minister we've ever had. Margaret Thatcher was the first. Um, I think that they'll be very different. Yeah. Well, of course they will. I mean, just because they're both women doesn't mean to say they're going to be the same.
1: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that the comparisons to Thatcher are, you know, obviously inevitable because it's another woman. But just because she's a powerful woman in politics doesn't mean she's going to be this uh, like Margaret Thatcher number two. It's a bit um, sort of reductive, isn't it? And
0: things have changed. There are a lot more women now in senior level in politics than there were in in Thatcher's time. I mean, she was surrounded by men. She was extraordinarily different. Um, And I I think time has moved on since then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, OK, so um, let's see. All right, so Boris Johnson out because Michael Gove kind of suddenly betrayed him, it seems, um, and then put himself forward as a candidate. But then Gove... Um, stepped down as well. He, well. he stepped out of the, oh, well, of the leadership he, he race. He got
0: eliminated in this process where the MPs have to vote on which of the candidates they prefer and the person who gets the least number of votes falls, drops out. Yeah. And um, he uh, he had to drop out when he didn't get as many votes as Andrea Leadsom.
1: She's not popular, right? She's not a popular guy. Hello?
0: Anyway... Since then, since since then, um, yeah. Theresa May has been forming her government, okay. and the big, big surprise okay. was Boris Johnson coming back in as the foreign secretary. Yeah,
1: I know, and he—I mean, just just nobody
0: saw that one coming.
1: Just a week ago, he was um, out because uh, he wasn't the right man to help the UK um, leave the European Union, and now he's the foreign secretary, the, the guy in charge of foreign affairs.
0: That's right. And uh, of course, it's in charge of the diplomatic service and uh, someone you can't imagine anyone less diplomatic than Boris Johnson. Um, the websites have, have been having a good time today uh, repeating all the insulting things he said about various people around the world. Yeah. Um, he entered, entered a competition that somebody had decided they wanted to do, uh, a, a poem about um, the Turkish president Erdogan. And Boris came up with a very crude and rude poem. This is a, this, um,
1: this is a, this is a poem about the Turkish president, uh, Erdogan. Yes,
0: Erdogan. yes. And uh, it likened him uh, to um, uh, someone who does strange sexual practices with a goat. And um, this won the competition. Um so I don't know whether he'll be very forgiving, Erdogan, when the Foreign Secretary arrives on an official visit to Turkey. He's also um, he writes a column, you see, in a newspaper, and he th- likes to think he's very witty. He's described Hillary Clinton as being like a sadistic nurse and um, has insulted many other people as well.
1: Oh, my goodness. So it's not exactly a great recipe, a great for, recipe diplomacy. for
0: diplomacy. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I suppose... In this world, everything's pragmatic, isn't it? And it's not just about one person. It's about uh, the, the, uh, the factors that uh, lead to diplomacy, the strategic relationships between, between countries. So um, let's hope that they all forgive and forget and that he um, acts more like a grown-up.
1: But goodwill is important in these sorts of relationships. And if yes. goodwill is like the grease that uh, lubricates the wheels, isn't it?
0: Well, as I say, it's a big surprise, and it's also interesting that when uh, he made a brief statement after he'd been uh, made foreign secretary, he said he was very grateful for Theresa May for giving him this chance. I thought that was an interesting word. It sounds a bit like a, a schoolboy who's been told by the headmaster, you better be a good boy from now on, uh, I'm giving you one more
1: chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and also just and also shows how just he's shows actually how quite he said, opportunistic well you can say that again <laughs> i asked you to prepare three words of the moment or three words that could describe the current state of affairs have you managed to come up with three words
0: well yes i i thought hoping depressed ashamed
1: Ooh. Hoping?
0: Ho- hoping depressed ashamed okay now i'm hoping that that um things will settle down. I'm hoping that Theresa May will turn out to be uh, a sensible and uniting Prime Minister. Uh, there are one or two good signs. Um, I'm pleased that she has replaced uh, Osborne as Chancellor of the Exchequer, because I think that his, um, he was very closely associated with Cameron, and uh, I don't think his economic policy has been a spectacular success. Um, the austerity Process was very rigid, and it and a lot of the cuts in public expenditure fell um, disproportionately on the poor people, those least able to um, to take the shocks. And I think he protected uh, the big boys in the city and the bankers, and uh, didn't do much about ridiculously high executive pay. So I think a fresh start there is a is a good sign, um, and I also uh, hope that. Um, we will find that things settle down before Article 50 seems to be, it's going to be triggered before the end of the year. That is the European law, which you have to formally say to the European Union, we want to leave. It's just technically Article 50, but we haven't done it yet. And at that point, there's a maximum of two years to negotiate the departure. Well, um, there's, there's still, I'm a little hopeful uh, just a tiny part of me is hopeful that it might never happen uh, because there are all sorts of constitutional issues that nobody has addressed yet. Uh, for example, uh, we are um, uh, uh, our constitution gives parliament total power. We are a parliamentary democracy, mm. and the referendum um, doesn't carry any legal force. It is actually advisory, and it's quite possible to argue that we should negotiate the terms of leaving And uh, once we know what we're going to get, you could say, "Well, this is the reality now. Let's have another referendum and see if you still want to leave."
1: Right. The referendum would be a lot more clear. It would be kind of like, "Okay, it's a choice between this deal, which we've just negotiated, or just going back in and sort of staying as we were before."
0: Yes, and there is an argument that, of course, that we voted to leave on a on a false uh, agenda. Um, it's an interesting issue. Professor Michael Dugan, who is the professor of European law at Liverpool Law School, mm. um, has laid out a quite detailed uh, reasoning why um, you could argue that the referendum should be set aside. Um, and that leads me on to my second word. It's it's depressed. I was depressed about uh, the future because I think leaving the EU is a grave mistake but I'd also got depressed about the referendum campaign. Um, And Professor Dugan uh, spells this out in no uncertain terms, and he's an independent legal expert. He says on nearly every major issue, the Leave side employed deception. Um, He says it was deception on an industrial scale. Um, For example, um, they they would argue and put on their literature that... um, uh, the laws from Europe came from an unelected commission and said 90% uh, of them come from the EU. Well, both these are completely untrue. The commission doesn't make any laws at all. It has, makes 0% of our laws. All the legislation comes from the Council of Ministers, the council, which is the 28 democratically elected member states, and the parliament, directly elected parliament. Mm-hmm. So to say that it's actually all comes from an un- unelected commission is not true. Uh, the, the idea that 60%, as they said, actually, derives from the EU. Boris 60 Johnson p- 60 says 60% of our laws come from the EU. Well, that's not true, based on any scientific methodology you can think of. Um, and uh, there were other claims, like they're planning to create a European army. Well, they're not, and even if they did... Um, its uh, defence is an issue which needs unanimous agreement from all 28 member states. So you would have a veto over it. Uh, they say Turkey is going to join the EQ, and the EQ sorry the UK can't stop it yeah well again untrue again uh, new member states have to be agreed by um, every member state by their own process through a parliamentary vote or by a referendum several countries have already said that uh, that there's no way Turkey will join them so the idea of Turkey joining is simply a fantasy Uh, there were other claims of course the famous they, they had a battle bus going around the country saying it costs us £350 million a week to be a member of the EU. We would put that money into the health service. A, it doesn't cost us £350 million a week to be a member of the EU. It's more like one hundred and sixty. million. And secondly, the prospect of all that money going into the health service is ridiculous. And so it goes on. And and the, the campaign was a, a catalogue of untruths and they were telling untruths about the remain campaign, um, saying that Cameron's uh, negotiated uh, reform deal was worthless well it was wasn't particularly spectacular, but it certainly wasn't worthless uh, there were actually quite a number of uh, quite sound benefits and um, it, it was basically a false campaign where uh, all the claims from the leave side were Uh, completely fraudulent so it is an interesting argument to constitutionally but the reason i'm depressed is that i think the remain campaign was pathetic and they couldn't combat these lies
1: why on earth um were the leave campaign pulling all these strings and doing all these things to make the country leave why did all these people want to leave now i sort of understand why to an extent you know some of the people voted leave you know, because of the deception of the campaign, uh, there were these fears and prejudices and things that were informing their decision. But why the campaign? Why Why were they campaigning so hard? What are, what are the Eurosceptics thinking?
0: It's very difficult to explain why, on the right of politics in this country for many, many years, that there has been an, an anti-EU element. And uh, it's partly because they they uh are nationalists they yeah. believe in britain they believe they're patriots and they think that um uh going along with all these other european countries which move at different speeds and have different economies and have different priorities and different traditions is holding us back but and they and it, it's just something that uh has been fueled for many years
1: but it's it's just it seems incredible to me that um the Leave campaigners were campaigning for Britain, saying we need to take back control of our of Britain. We're doing it for Britain, but the actual result of all of this campaigning has been definitely bad for Britain, and it you know it's bad for the the economy, bad for you know all these things, and also bad for the union. So Britain well, it's, it would... Britain itself is is not better as a result of this. So all this we need to be we need to uh, protect Britain. We're actually, they've broken Britain to an extent, haven't they? Well, that's your view. I
0: well, yeah, mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that's a, my lot, view, a, a, yeah. you know, a lot of the, the, the Brexiters would say, free at last, free at last, thank God almighty, we're free at last, which is a quote from Martin Luther King. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the fact is, of course, it's complete rubbish. Um, the, the, uh, the freedom to make decisions has in many ways evaporated. In the next two years, the EU will be making the decisions for us. America has already said that we're at the back of the queue for a trade deal. A Chinese official has indicated that he doesn't think Britain has got the thousands of officials required to negotiate a parallel trade deal with the EU. And and basically, we'll find that other people are making the decisions. We are not sitting at the table.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, what about? So that's a reason to be depressed. And as for. Ashamed. Well, I mentioned that I'm a bit ashamed that the, um, the anti-immigration uh, people have sort of come out of the woodwork and been um, nasty, uh, and I don't want uh, anything like that in my country. But I'm also um, ra- rather ashamed that um, the, uh, the, politi- the political classes in yeah. this country have come out of this so badly. Uh, that uh, so many of the people are self-serving and untrustworthy and that uh, it, it, it's hardly surprising that a lot of people have got cynical, cynical about the establishment, about the, uh, you know, the bankers, uh, uh, about politicians, about the church, about all the various establishments. Uh, everybody's got terribly cynical about them and it's about time we had some statesmen like politicians and we had some honesty and uh, some sensible politics as opposed to people who are in it for themselves
1: absolutely so we heard about the the government and the conservative party and and how we've got a new prime minister and a different cabinet now Uh, but what about the opposition what about the labour party
0: Good question, Luke. It's another reason why um, I'm somewhat (laughs) depressed about things because I think that um, any good democratic society needs to have the government tested and uh, a strong opposition is healthy. Um, And uh, at the moment, our main opposition party, the Labour Party, is completely falling apart. It is in a state of civil war and um, it may not survive the process. It may even split. Um, and so it, that's because the socialists who um, are the activists around the country mm-hmm. um, are pleased to have Jeremy Corbyn as the leader because he has always been uh, a, a left of centre uh, activist, and yeah. the and the Labour MPs at Westminster. Have all lost confidence in him for various reasons, and they want him out. And the the rules of the game are that the leader is elected by the membership, so they're stuck with him. And um, I think the only, they're probably going to have another election because he's been challenged by two other MPs. He'll win again, and at that point, maybe they'll split.
1: Yeah. So we might. Is, will this be the end of the Labour Party, or are we going to see a new party emerge?
0: It's extremely difficult to know. Uh, it's very difficult to imagine the end of the Labour Party, which has been around for such a long time and has had some notable prime ministers. But um, it it may realign in some way. Who knows? Um, I, I think that we'll just have to step back and and wait the interesting thing is that Theresa may has said that she doesn't want to hold a general election that's the last thing the country needs we Ah. want some stability um i I bet there will be a few uh, of her colleagues whispering in her ear that she ought to have an election because they would um demolish labor in this condition
1: Mm. okay (sighs) all right um I, some of the comments i've had um on episodes that i've done about this subject have been things like uh, oh cheer up luke it's not that bad so um what about some good things to look forward to dad do we have some some positive things on the horizon it doesn't have well, to be, it doesn't have to uh, be politics
0: it could be it doesn't anything have to be politics um well i'm sure your listeners are probably fed up now listening to the you know the british political scene yeah
1: they've probably had enough of had this. enough of
0: that I mean, I think that um, one thing that might come out of all this uh, on a broader stage is that I think the uh, European Union establishment must have had a bit of a shock. And uh, they've had declining support uh, across the EU for many years and haven't managed to um, recognise it. Yeah. And uh, I think they, they'll recognise it now. And they I think it would be a good thing if the EU... Um, gets uh, more relevant to people and maybe uh, stops doing things that aren't really important anymore. And so um, they ought to take stock and maybe um, reassess their priorities to a certain extent. Um, the, the other things, well, uh, not much. The um, The weather has got to improve. We haven't had a very good summer again yet here in the UK. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we can look forward to a bit of sunshine maybe. Um, and we have the Olympic Games coming, which I really enjoy. Um, I know the Zika virus hangs over it and I know that Russian athletes uh, you know, are, are under suspicion and may not be there and so on and so on. But uh, setting that aside, I always love the Olympics when it comes around every four years. Um, and uh, we've got a, a, a new Premiership season starting just in about five weeks' time, and, and ch- that's always great, and we've got Leicester City
1: defending their title. That's right. Any predictions for the Premiership this year?
0: Uh, no, but I w- will predict that Manchester United will not do well under Mourinho. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Why? What's what's wrong with Mourinho?
0: <laughs> I think he's had his best days, and I think um, they, they think he's some kind of... Um, miracle worker all this arrogant stuff about being the special one i mean i I don't think that he had a a very brilliant uh season with chelsea before they sacked him and i don't know why he should suddenly be good for manchester united
1: yeah okay well let's see i look forward to seeing what happens then and see if your prediction yes
0: i hope that your listeners who like football will will probably not criticize me for saying manchester united won't do very well they might i mean but um uh, I, I'm not at all sure Mourinho is right for them, and uh, and we're also wondering who's going to be the next England football manager. It looks like it'll be a big guy called uh, Sam Allardyce.
1: Oh, Sam Allardyce,
0: really? He's been around for a long time, but um, you know, I, I don't think uh, England is going to be doing much in the World Cup after their dreadful performance against Iceland. But you
1: never know. <laughs> Just awful, wasn't it?
0: Just it was unbelievably bad. I've inc- never
1: seen it so bad. Incredible, I could better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Uh, anyway, um, one last thing, Dad. Do you, have anything, do you have anything to say to the people of the world? Because you've, you've got the ear of the globe at this point. Any final message, like a sort of oh, Jerry Springer-style final, final point?
0: Well, I would say to everybody, keep listening to Luke's English podcast um, because it's interesting, it's amusing, and it helps <laughs> you to speak English as it should be spoken real british english which is what i'm speaking now so um if it's any help to you um keep on listening and uh, and you should keep practicing because i know a lot of people who who speak english not as their first language say oh i do want, don't like to make mistakes make mistakes it doesn't matter you've just got to keep uh, trying to communicate and the more you try the better you get
1: exactly yeah okay brilliant dad thank you so much for talking to me again
0: Okay, it's lovely to hear you and best wishes to all your listeners.
1: Alright. Okay, Dad. Have a nice evening. Okay. Bye. Bye bye then. English. 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 English.
0: Yes. English. 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 English dude. English. 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 English English. English English. 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 Plain English, creep. Speak English. 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 I'm
1: speaking in English. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed listening to my dad again on the podcast. Um, don't forget to visit the website where you will see some extracts from the conversation, those uh, bits of vocabulary that I listed at the beginning of the the, the program. Uh, you'll see those things written on the page, including a lot of nice expressions and phrases for you to add to your vocabulary. Um, remember to follow Luke's English Podcast on social media. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at English Podcast. Um, I'm on Facebook, of course, and just search for Luke's English Podcast on Facebook. And, of course, you should join the mailing list on my website. You'll see that in the top right-hand corner of every page. It says, uh, I guess it says subscribe by email. Um, And you should join the mailing list um, in order to get an email notification uh, whenever new content is added to the website. You'll get an email notification direct in your inbox. And that's probably the best way to get access to the show notes and the pages for each episode, and all the download links and all the other bits of information. Uh, that's the that's the best way to get direct access to the page for the episode is to subscribe by email. So just leave your email address. I'm not going to I'm not going to give you loads of spam or anything. I won't be spamming your inbox. It's just a way for you to get my content really quickly and easily. Okay. As ever, I look forward to reading your comments on the website as always, and um, all that remains for me to say here is just have a great day, have a great morning or afternoon or evening or lunch or night or lunch break or cigarette break or have a nice jog, have a nice drive or cycle or a nice gym session, have a good sleep, have a good work meeting or something, have a good English lesson or toilet break. um, Wherever you are uh, in this crazy world that we call Earth Just have a nice time, okay? Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Um, And uh, and that's it, okay, then? So, cheers, have a good time. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.